Good morning, good morning, good morning. God is good? And all the time? Okay, so just for today, no? you can see that I've got a four-year-old who's going to school. So just for today, you know good, better, best? You know, right? Good, better, best, right? So I was thinking about it, like, why do we always say God is good? Like, shouldn't, he, like, shouldn't it be like God is best? God's the best, right? Come on, guys, come on, play along, play along, play along. God's the best? And all the time? God's the best? And all the time? You see, you're even smiling now. There we go. There we go. Hallelujah, Jesus. Did you enjoy the worship and praise this morning? There's something about singing about God. Ah, go kids. Uh, all the kids, you are released in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just clap for them even as they go. Hallelujah, Jesus. Awesome. There's something about singing about God's kingship. Amen. Something about declaring him as king of glory. Something about declaring him and enthroning him as king. Um, he's not just king somewhere out there. He's not just uh, a king that we don't know about. He's not just a king who we haven't experienced. He's a king who's king in our lives. He's a king who's king um, in our homes. Hallelujah, Jesus. When he's enthroned as king, he's literally enthroned as king within your heart and within my heart. Amen. And so this morning... Um, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I was just really blessed by the words of the songs that we sing in this local assembly. Amen. We call him King of Glory. We say there's none like him. Hallelujah, Jesus. We lift him up. We declare. We, we, we give him his rightful place. We, we allow him to take his place on the throne of our hearts. Not just in song, not just in word, not just in deed, but in every single area, in every single way, in every single aspect of our lives. He is King. Amen. And so that's what I want to speak to you about this morning, putting God's kingdom first. Putting God's kingdom first. You see, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, we all know this, he instructed them and he said, well, this is how you should start by praying. You should start by saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when Jesus walked the face of the earth and when he instructed his disciples on how to pray, there was a strong emphasis on, first of all, establishing who he is, that he is not just some distant God out there, but he's our Father, our Father. He's mine. He's not just someone else's Father. It's one thing to associate with someone else's dad and say, hey, you're, you're, you've got a really cool dad. A lot, of, a lot of kids say this about me. They, say, they tell Jude, hey, you're, you're, you've got a really cool dad. No, really, they really do. No, they do. No, come on, guys. No, they really do. And it's the truth, right? It's the truth. So it's one thing. Pastor Trace is laughing too loud. <laughs> Don't give it away, Pastor Trace. Don't give it away. So it's one thing to associate with someone else's dad, you know? So-and-so's got a really cool dad. But this is our father, our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom. So, dad, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Now, where is his kingdom already? Where has his kingdom already been established? His kingdom has already been established in heaven, right? He already sits on that throne. But when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if he's going to establish a kingdom on earth, and he is, he's doing it right now. 
So when he's establishing his kingdom on earth, where is he establishing his kingdom? Well, if you take a globe, you know the globe, you know the globe of the world, and if you spin that globe around and you, you take some time, you take a Saturday afternoon off, you've got nothing better to do. Manchester United is not playing well anyway. So you've got nothing better to do. Just take the globe and, and just try and see if you can find a continent or a country that's called the kingdom of God. Okay, this is your homework. You'll come back and you'll tell me, right? The next time you see me, you let me know if you found the kingdom of God anywhere on the map of the world. You won't find it. You won't find it. Yet, how powerful is this that even though you won't find it anywhere on any map, anywhere in the world, stated the kingdom of God, even though you won't find it, how powerful, how dynamic is it that his kingdom stretches across the entire globe, on every continent, within every single country, God's kingdom is established. So where is it established? It's established in our hearts. It's established in your heart and it's established in my heart and it's established in the hearts of millions and millions and billions of Christians across the globe. God's kingdom. So when we pray, let's pray with understanding. Our God is a king and he has a kingdom. For his kingdom to come, it has to be established in our hearts. Who will establish his kingdom here on earth if not you and I? This is a part of our great commission. To go out into the world and tell someone, your neighbor, your study buddy, um, someone who you sit on the how train with, tell your colleague at work, tell whoever it might be, that family member that you haven't seen in years. It's your and my responsibility to establish his kingdom, to share this good news as his royal subjects, we are part of a royal priesthood, right? Right? You and I, we are peculiar people. We're part of this royal priesthood, right? So we're in the kingdom. We've already been um, uh, engrafted into his kingdom. Now, the, 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 the next step is not for you and I to keep the news to ourselves. Otherwise, it would most, most likely be called the sour news or the bad news, right? Because you keep bad news to yourself, right? Well, okay. All right. I know there's some people out there, not in this church, but there's some people out there who they like to carry bad news around, right? But not you guys. So, so within the context of us, generally, we like to spread good news, right? You don't want to keep it to yourself, right? So who will establish his kingdom here on earth if not for you and I? We are co-heirs with Jesus, aren't we? Right? We're just establishing some facts, right? So you and I are co-heirs with Jesus, right? So Jesus is the heir to the throne, but you and I are co-heirs, right? And what do we mean when we pray, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven? Do we identify the link between God's kingdom being established or God's kingdom being manifest here on earth in our lives? Do we connect that with it being accomplished in our lives? So not just, not just in someone else's life, but in my life. So it's no use me walking around and saying, yeah, you know, Lord, let your kingdom come, Father. And Lord, let your will be done. Let your kingdom be established in Brother Jimmy's life. He needs more kingdom, Lord. More kingdom for Brother Jimmy, Lord, in Jesus' name. But Lord, I've got enough. Not, nothing for me, Lord. But Lord, in Brother Jimmy's life, I see a distinct lack of kingdom. Hallelujah, Jesus. Do we connect the dots between his manifest kingdom and his manifest will? His manifest kingdom and his manifest will. 
Do we understand the connection between his manifest kingdom and his kingship? After all, you cannot have a kingdom without a king. And you cannot recognize a kingdom without recognizing its king. Now this one you might want to focus. You cannot pursue or seek after a kingdom of a specific king and not seek the king connected to that kingdom. I'll, I'll say it again. You cannot pursue or seek after a kingdom of a specific king and not seek the king connected to that kingdom. Let me give you an example. If I wake up tomorrow morning and I decide, you know what, America is the place to be. I've seen, if Trevor can do it, then so can I. Trevor, I'm coming. I'm coming to the U.S., Trevor. Me and you, me and you, together, forever, brothers. Me and Trevor. I'm going to pitch up there by his house and just say, yeah. ID number 8109, yeah, let's go. So if I wake up tomorrow morning and I decide America, the USA, is the place to be. Man, I want everything that... I've seen what it's done for Trevor. Man, I've seen what it's done for Trevor. I want the benefits of living in the USA. I want all the benefits, all the good stuff that comes that's connected with being part of the USA. I want to be an American citizen. I'm even going to change the way that I talk. I'm going to become an American citizen. If I make that decision tomorrow morning, I can't say I want all the benefits that come with being an American citizen, but I don't want the president. No, no you can keep him. You, you're, you're, the president, you can keep him. I want the benefits. Uh, I want to be an American citizen, but oh, Donald, hey, hey, Donald is rough. No, no, let me say it again. You cannot pursue or seek after a kingdom of a specific king and not seek the king who's connected to that kingdom. Hallelujah, Jesus. Fact number one, kingdoms have kings. Fact number two, kings have wills that they want to be accomplished or established or carried out through their subjects. That's you and I. Fact number three, there is a way to seek God and his kingdom. Kingdoms have heirs and co-heirs. We've already covered this. Co-heirs to that kingdom. And those claiming heirship or co-heirship understand the importance of building the kingdom together with and aligned to the vision of the king. My, I'm going I'm to repeat that because that's important. So... We, we're more than happy to say, I'm a co-heir with Jesus. I am a co-heir with Jesus. You may even want to put it on your business card. Hallelujah, Jesus. Stuart Bishop, legal specialist, co-heir with Jesus Christ. It's got a nice, actually, it's got a nice, yeah, yeah. The sepals, yeah, it's got a nice ring to it, right? So we're more than happy to, to have it be part of our title, co-heirs with Jesus. Look at me now. Huh? But as a co-heir, you understand the importance of building the kingdom together with and aligned to the vision of the king. Stated differently in accordance with the king's wishes or in accordance with the king's will. So I can't be saying or declaring that I am part of the kingdom of God. But every waking minute, every waking moment is spent 
with me, my agenda, my will, my plan, busy pouring financial resources, strength, energy, and time into establishing my kingdom. No, it doesn't work that way. If I say that I'm a co-heir with Jesus and that I'm part of this kingdom, then I've got to spend my time, my energy, my resources, and my strength into establishing and building together with him the kingdom of the Lord. Amen. Psalm 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. We've got the type of foreman, and I've, I've ministered on this before, we've got the type of foreman who doesn't just sit on the job waiting for lunchtime and just supervising everyone else and making sure that everyone else is doing their job. Our king gets his hands dirty. Our king gets stuck in the mud. Our king is there throwing bricks. Our king is there mixing dagger. You know what dagger is, right? Cement, that, okay. I'm, the, the cement thing. You know, people call it different things in different places, right? So our king is there. So unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. You've got to be building with him. And you better be sure that while you're building with him, you can't be building according to your little side plan here on the side, your little side thing. It's okay to have your own plan. It's okay to want to accomplish things in your life. But always submit your plan in alignment with his plan. And where, it's, where there's a misalignment, which one goes? It's yours that goes. So for as long as your plan is always aligned to his building plan, it's all good. We're on the same page. The minute your plan starts to deviate from his plan and establishing his kingdom here on earth, then whatever that is, that specific portion has to be carved out and eliminated and excluded. Hallelujah, Jesus. Otherwise, we're not building together with him. Even the direct heir to the throne, Jesus himself, as the only begotten of the Father, knows to submit his will to the Father's will. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. If Jesus can say to his Father, Daddy, nevertheless, not my will, but ultimately your will be done. Who are you and I? To want to insist that it has to be our way. To insist that we have to establish our own little kingdoms. One of the ways that we get to see whether we are actively pursuing after or seeking God and his kingdom agenda is by seeing what we have prioritized and how. Where does God's kingdom and his agenda and his will rank in our order of priorities of life. Seeking is one thing. Seeking first speaks of prioritization. Again, let me just take you into my world for a few seconds. So a, a big part of what I do is checking of contract documents, right? And especially the gentlemen in the construction industry will know that when we speak about the contract the set of contract documents, is usually, there's usually a bunch of stuff that goes with that, right? It's the, usually the standard T's and C's, then there's deviations from the standard T's and C's, then there's scopes of work, then there's operational documents, then there's KPIs, key performance indicators, there's all sorts of stuff. And when you have all these different sets of documents, you need someone to come in and say, okay guys, just whoa. Just press pause, let's just relax. Okay, so... Because we've got all these different types of documents, 
if there's any contradiction between any of these documents, we need to know what takes priority over what. Right? So if your proposal that you submitted is in contradiction with the scope of work that we sent out during the RFQ phase, then the scope of work has to trump or has to take precedence or take priority over your proposal. Because the scope of work in the first place told you what we're looking for. Usually, because I'm legal and I want to make sure that the legal stuff is sorted, I will usually say the terms and conditions. So all the legal stuff trumps all the operational stuff. All of the legal stuff trumps all of the operational stuff. What am I doing? I'm literally creating an order of priority of boom, 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 number one, number two, number three, number four. This is what takes priority over the next thing. You know why? Because as true as the sun will come up tomorrow morning, at some point in time, there'll be a contradiction, there'll be a misalignment between those different sets of documents. And I'm saying to you this morning, as sure as the sun will come up tomorrow morning, at some point in your life, and it's happened many, many times at some point in my life, there was a misalignment between God's kingdom agenda and my plans. And I had to take stock of myself, pull myself towards myself and say, okay, in an instance of contradiction, God's word, God's kingdom takes precedence, takes priority over my own. You have to do that. So it's one thing to seek his kingdom. It's another thing to seek his kingdom first. Let's dig a little deeper this morning. Matthew chapter 6, reading verse 30 to verse 33. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive and green today, and tomorrow is cut and thrown as fuel into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Verse 31, therefore do not worry or be anxious, perpetually uneasy or distracted, saying, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? For the pagan Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. But do not worry, for your heavenly Father knows that you need them. By the way, this is Jesus speaking. But first and most importantly, seek, aim at and strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things, the clothes, the food, the drink, all these things will be given to you also. Let's just once again pause for the cause and stop at verse 32. Verse 32 reads as follows. For the pagan Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. If the pagans or the unbelievers are actively eagerly seeking after these things, when we as God's children actively seek after these things, to the point that we relegate God's kingdom into second position in relation to these things, are we not in fact being and behaving like the pagans themselves? or the unbeliever himself. Once again, you know I love examples. So there's no, there's no guy here who's supporting a soccer team who wants to hear that his football team has been relegated to a lower division. You know what that means, right? 
if your football team gets relegated, hallelujah Jesus, what that means is if they were playing, if they were playing in the Premier League, which is like the top, top, top league, and they get relegated, then it means they now, must now play first division football. Right? where there's less money, less camera time, less TV time, less media, less exposure. Um, it's just a bunch of less. Less minus, 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 minus. Less players, less cash to play around. Right? So no, none of us here as men, when we think about the football team that we support, it could be Manchester United, it could be Liverpool, it could be Arsenal, it could be, we, we, it doesn't matter which, Orlando Pirates, Kaiser Chiefs, it doesn't matter. None of us want our football team to ever be relegated to a lower division. Amen? Let me speak to the wives. There's no wife here who wants to be relegated to being a lower priority than their husband's work colleagues, especially a female work colleague. Can I get an amen? Jeez, I expected a better amen than that. Okay, all right. Let me speak to the moms. There is no mom here who wants their child to relegate their parental advice in favor of their best friend at school's so-called advice. Yeah, yeah, now you're on board, now you're on board. Okay, let's speak to the teenagers. There's no teenager here who wants to receive a memo from their parents informing them that they have now been relegated and they are no longer the favorite child in the house. Every single person here, except for that one, <laughs> wants to feel and know that they take priority in someone else's life. Every single one of us. You want to know that for someone else who's walking on the face of this earth, you are a priority to them. You want to know that. Every single one of us. Yet, we are astonished and maybe some of us are even offended. Maybe, just maybe. Not here again, not, I know you guys, not here. The church down the road. Yet some of us are astonished and possibly even offended that Jesus would require us to prioritize God's kingdom above gravy, pup, and steak. Gravy, pup, and steak. Lord, not my pup. Lord Jesus, not my pup. Your Jesus, rice, yes, but my pup, no, Lord. No, Lord, no, no. Lord, clothes, not my Timberlands, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Lord, not my, my Jimmy Choo's. Jesus, no, no, Lord, no, no. Not my fillers. I, I hear fillers making a comeback. Hey, the kids these days are wearing fillers. I'm going to see them on Friday. Apparently, fillers making a comeback. You guys remember fillers, no? Like, like, what's up with fashion? Like, literally, every, it's just circular. Like, nothing new, eh? It's just, like, it was in fashion, then... Out of fashion, then back again. Like filler. Really? What's next? Jack's, Jack Purcells. What, what, do you, you know, the, you know, the, you know the, the big tackies with the big? Those are back in fashion. Those things are U-G-L. Why are you ugly? Yeah, yeah. But they're back in fashion. I don't believe it. But Lord, you're my clothes, not my clothes, Lord, not my gravy pup and steak, not my Jimmy Choo's, not my fillers, not my Coca-Cola, Lord. You can take the Sprite Zero Jesus, but not my Coke, your Lord, and not the new one that doesn't taste like Coke. Lord, the original Coke. Because that's, that's what he's saying. 
He's saying, why are you worrying about food, drink, and clothing? Why are you worrying about food, drink, and clothing? Our Heavenly Father already knows that you need these things. He'll give you these things anyway. It's not like He's not aware that you need these things. He'll supply them to you anyway. But can you just do one thing? In order of priority, can you put seeking His kingdom first? The Greek word for seek in Matthew 6 means to seek, to search for, to desire, to require, and to demand. Zateo, I might be saying it wrong, but that's okay. You'll, you'll see it in the notes. Properly to seek by inquiring, to investigate, to reach a binding resolution, to search, to get to the bottom of a matter. One of the many ways that we seek his kingdom is by seeking his word. When you, God, when you study God's word, do you zateo his word? Do you seek to search? Do you inquire? Do you investigate to reach a binding resolution? Do you search to get down to the bottom of a matter? Or do you just go, John 3.16, okay, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and he ever perish. Okay, cool. That's not seeking. One of the ways that we seek his kingdom is by unpacking his word. Someone say amen. We get down to the bottom of the matter. We understand we don't leave that passage of scripture until God by his Holy Spirit has given us revelation of what he's trying to say to us. When you pursue something or when you pursue someone, those of you who've, who've ever been pursued, ladies come, let's talk now, let's talk. So if you've ever been pursued by someone, was it a case of, listen, do you want to go to the movies? Okay, let's go. All right, fine. Was, was, it, was, it, was it that kind of move? Misa's going. <laughs> it wasn't so a move, right? It wasn't like that. Would you like to go to the movies? Yeah, okay. You want to go out sometime? Yeah, okay, it's fine. it's fine. No. The brother had to put in some work, right? He had to make an effort, right? Otherwise, easy come, easy go, right? He had to make an effort. He was, it was like, okay, well, okay, fine. I can see you guys are getting sensitive. Let me, let me speak about myself and Sally Ann, right? She knows every time I preach, her name ends up in the message. It's fine. So this is how things went with me and Sally Ann. So we grew up in the same street. I'm going to give you the condensed version. We grew up in the same street. When she was four years old, um, she was playing with my baby brother, right? So we grew up literally in the same street, not the next one, not literally in the same street, right? But obviously at that point, uh, four, five, six years old, I was what uh, approaching almost teenagehood. Um, she was just this irritating little thing, this irritating little child that messed up the house, that was always loud and always making a noise. And her and Nathan, Nathan's my baby brother, were always just in my way. I want to watch my programs. Now she's here causing a mess, right? That was then. Then they moved. The family moved. They moved. And many, many years went by and I didn't see Sally Ann. And then one day, in her teenageness, I then saw her. And I was like, hello, Sally Ann. How art thou, King James Version? And I was like, wow. Is this the same irritating little child that used to, whoa. Hello. 
And I was like, okay, um, you know what, man? You know, since you and I have not seen each other for a while, we really should. I think we should, like, don't you want to, like, catch a movie or something? And what was her answer? No. <laughs> and they're like, okay, fine. Um, don't you want to go for coffee? No. Okay, this one is, is a little bit rough here. Let's, let's approach it from a spiritual angle. So there's a youth meeting on Friday. Would you like to come and attend the youth meeting? No. Okay, so there's a gospel concert. I'm going to be... No. She just kept saying no and no and no. But what did I do? I mean, the evidence is here for everyone to see. What did I do? I didn't just lay down and die. I actively pursued her. I investigated. I searched. I desired. I required. I demanded. I wanted to get to the bottom of the matter of why will this girl not go out with me? And eventually, hey, like the victorious champion, hey, hey, you know, you know, yeah, nda, yeah, you know. So guys, come on, come on, come on with me, come with me on this journey. How can we say that we're seeking God first? How can we say that we're actively pursuing him and his kingdom when we have such a laxed attitude concerning his word, such a laxed attitude concerning prayer, such a laxed attitude concerning uh, the gathering of the saints, such a laxed attitude concerning his call over your life. Just because you open up the Bible every now and then and read a small passage of scripture does not qualify you as someone who's actively seeking God first and putting him first. Amen. For interest's sake, in that, the Greek word for kingdom in that passage of scripture is basileia, right? Again, I'm probably saying it wrong, but you can have a look at the notes. And essentially what, it's, what it speaks of is it's constantly used in connection with the rule of Christ in the hearts of believers. This is what we're speaking about, guys. We're speaking about his kingdom being established in the hearts of you and I. Hallelujah, Jesus. So when I pray, I am, am I constantly seeking in order to inquire, in order to investigate, in order to reach a binding resolution of how I can make sure that Jesus Christ rules as king in the kingdom of my heart. When we enthrone Jesus as king, what we are doing is first and foremost making him king in our hearts. And if Jesus is king, and if as king he rules in our hearts and lives, then everything connected to Jesus and his kingdom, his will and his way, his words and his precepts should come first in our lives. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus places the kingdom of God and his righteousness ahead of temporal or temporary blessings, such as food and clothing and drink. The contrast is made between that which is eternal and that which is temporary. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus continues his sermon on the mount, exhorting us not to be pursuers of earthly things, but rather seekers of God's heavenly kingdom. So the contrast is between pursuing something temporary or something eternal, between pursuing earthly things or heavenly and kingdom things. So, I told you, whenever I minister Sally Ann's name, it's more than likely to come up. So this, this is a true account of what happened this week and last week. 
So during the course of this week and last week, Sally Ann, as she usually does, sent me a few WhatsApp messages. Uh, please, can you get bread? Okay, cool, that's, that's a usual one. Um, please, can you fill out Jude's soccer forms for little kickers? Make sure that you fill them out. Okay, that's a new one. Okay, beginning of the year, school stuff. All right, cool. Number three, uh, as you know, Matthew needs to see a pulmonologist. Please, can you call your medical aid? Please, can you make the appointment with the pulmonologist to make sure that Matthew sees the pulmonologist? Right, so three requests. Actually, instructions, right? So I've received... <laughs> you, you know. So I've received three instructions. Get bread, fill out the soccer form, make the appointment for the pulmonologist. Right? Right. So... Me being who I am, obviously the first thing I do is write them down. And it almost, it's almost always the case that the order in which I write them down, because I'm doing it naturally, I'm doing it unconsciously. I'm, without even thinking about it, I'm prioritizing what needs to come first, what needs to happen second, what needs to happen third. So I'm already, as I'm writing it down, I'm writing, okay, in my memo on my phone, so I'm not doing this. I don't know why I did that. So I'm not doing this. I'm doing this, right? So on my memo, in the phone, I'm going... Number one, call pulmonologist, right? Number two, uh, soccer forms. Number three, bread. Because, I mean, I I'll be in trouble, but I won't be in a lot of trouble. You know what I mean? So bread is, is number three. So I'm, I'm already doing that. I'm already prioritizing what comes first, what comes second, and what comes third. What comes third? Why do I do that? Why do you need to do that? Why do we all need to do that? Because I need to do all of these things, yes. Are they all equally, equally important? No. Because if I do not prioritize one over the other, will I end up failing to do something very important? Most likely, yes. If I don't prioritize the things that I've been instructed to do, I'll most likely end up failing to do something that was actually quite important. Also, if I don't prioritize one over the other, I'll probably end up doing something first that should have been done last. A lot of us and a lot of our day falls into this type of category. We feel like at work we can't get to all the things we need to get to, but the truth is we haven't actually prioritized what takes precedence over what. And so we actually end up spending a lot of our time just catching up, catching up on emails, attending meetings, being busy, doing things that are not as important as the stuff that really needed to get done. And that's why we always feel like we're not getting the stuff accomplished. It's because we haven't prioritized what needs to take priority over what. Now, when Jesus is speaking to us in this passage of Scripture, he uses examples of things he knows we need. He uses examples of things that he knows we need. We need these things to survive. I mean, generally speaking, it's not acceptable for you to walk around without clothes, right? So you need clothes on your back, right? Every single one of us here are clothed, right? Check your neighbor. Just, just in case, right? So every single one of us need clothes. Pastor Paul shared with us um, when he was sharing on, on, on fasting as a key to unlock um, a breakthrough in your life. He shared with us and explained to us the durations, the different durations that you, you and I as human beings, that our bodies physically can go without food and go without water. And it's actually quite astonishing. We can actually go for quite a long time. What you and I call, I'm hungry. Jude tells me every single day that he's hungry. He's not hungry. He has no idea what it is to be hungry. Right? 
None of us actually do. I don't think so. Right? Our bodies can actually go for quite a number of weeks without food and water. But eventually, eventually, it becomes unsafe for you and I to not have had something to eat and to not have had something to drink. Right? It, re it reaches that point. So we need clothes, we need food, and we need water. But these are the three things that Jesus uses as an example of, even though I know you need these things, what I'm saying to you is prioritize God and his kingdom first. Food, drink, and clothing will come. You see, it's in God's nature. It's in his very nature to provide for us. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. Write this down, even if you get nothing else from today, write this down. Please write this down, jot this down somewhere. Because this is the crux of what I'm saying, summed up in one example. Why seek the provision when you can seek the provider? In essence, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, guys, why are we running around prioritizing like the pagans do? Like the unbeliever does. He wants provision, provision, provision. Why are you chasing provision? Why seek provision? Why not seek the provider? Seek the provider and you'll never go hungry. You'll never go thirsty. You'll never not be clothed. Hallelujah. For those of you who know me, you know that I really like Brother Job. Brother Job encourages us in Job chapter 23 and verse 12 as follows. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. More than my necessary food. What I love about Brother Job is that he doesn't, not for one second, does he downplay or underplay the need for his body to be fed. In fact, he refers to it as his necessary food. Yet he's able to say, I treasure God's words more than above and in a higher order of priority than my necessary food. The argument is not that the food is not necessary. The food is necessary. But he's creating an order of precedence of what takes priority over what. So in Job's mind, agenda item number one, God's word. That takes priority. God's word, it's treasured and it's vitally important to me. So number one on my list is God's word. Agenda item number two, food my physical body craves. It's less important, therefore I will get to it later. I'm not saying I'm not going to get to it, but I'll get to it later. What he says is seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness, then all these things which you do also need will be added to you. The God whom you seek will provide clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and food in your belly. Because one of his many, many attributes, as we've said, is he is a provider. However, and again, I just want you just to pause and, and think about this. One of our attributes, one of our attributes, one of your attributes and one of my attributes as sinful men and even as Christians who have not yet had our minds fully renewed in this area, one of our attributes is that we are prone to seek after and chase after and prioritize things that are temporary in nature 
at the expense of those things that are eternal. That's one of our attributes. So, again, it's a husband and wife from another church, not this church. Um, and the wife um, makes a suggestion to the husband, who's the head of the house, and she says to him, my love, honey, nchunchus, um, sweetie pie, um, can we please have family altar tonight at around about 7 p.m.? Again, it's not someone in this church. No? So don't look at anybody or bump anybody. And then the husband's reply is, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Have you noticed you only hear that in South Africa? Yeah, no. Why are we saying yes and no at the same time? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no. Um, let me just wrap up this business deal and I'll join you guys as soon as I'm done. Um, you can go ahead and start without me. Family also. You guys can go ahead and start without me. I'll, I'll, I'll meet you all there. Nah? It'll be a double up, and I'll get you there. Okay, it's fine. You guys can start. What's happening there? This Christian businessman, not again, nobody in this church, but this Christian businessman is prioritizing sealing the business deal over family altar. He's focused on prioritizing something that's temporary over something that's eternal. Another one, I don't know why I'm targeting the businessmen this morning, but okay, so again, not, he's, not from, he's not from here, right? But there's this businessman, and this is the conversation that his treasurer has with him, right? It's the treasurer of his business. Um, pardon me, sir, but this procurement division requires us to pay a standard cool drink allowance, they call it a cool drink allowance of 100,000 rand in order for the contract to be awarded to us. Um, can I go ahead and authorize the payment, sir, for the cool drink allowance? You guys know what's a cool drink allowance. You don't know what's a cool drink allowance. So, if you are ever stopped by Metro Police, um, either Tswane or Johannesburg, it doesn't really matter. They have the same uh, standard operating procedure. Um, if you've not stopped when you're supposed to have stopped or you drove through a red robot or otherwise you were speeding. The first thing you will hear is hey I'm foot hey hey riding hey hey it's hot here ne? hey I, I I don't know about you but me I need some cool drink ne? hey I need some cool drink yes today is my lucky day mm, I'm thirsty mm. It's a hot day, I need some cool drink. Nah? That's a cool drink allowance. Nah. It's, it's an allowance to allow you to proceed without being issued a fine. Nah? So here you are, Mr. Businessman, and your treasurer, your accountant, uh, your company secretary has informed you, um, in order to seal the deal, in order for us to get the contract, there's a cool drink allowance and, uh, of a measly 100,000 rand. Um, can I please authorize uh, the payment? Actually, uh, better than that, um, actually they only accept cash, so can you also just meet the guy on the corner of bribery and corruption at midnight tonight? Uh, you'll place the cash in an, in an unmarked gym bag, Mr. Christian Businessman. I'm not looking at anybody. In fact, I'm looking at Larato, Mr. Christian Businessman, because it can't apply to you, Vele. Oh. It can't be you. What's happening, guys? What's happening? And we're laughing. But, hey, maybe for some of us, again, not here, but maybe we know someone 
who if he had been here, it would have been a guilty laugh. <laughs> Yo, how does he know? <laughs> Yo. <laughs> what are we doing as Christian businessmen? I'm not interested in what the other businessmen out there are doing. It doesn't bother me. But when you are a Christian businessman and known to be such in the community, the people who deals with you, who do and, and, and strike deals with you, they know that you are a Christian businessman. When you prepare to pay a bribe to seal the deal, to secure the contract, I've got lots of issues with you, but one of the issues that I have with you is what you're doing is you're saying, Lord, I don't trust you to provide for me. Therefore, I need to make a plan B, a plan C, and a plan D that includes me compromising my integrity in order to secure something temporary because, because cash is here today and it's gone tomorrow. Right? If you don't believe me, go watch Fast and Furious 5. Dom gave a speech. We know the money will be here today and tomorrow will be gone. Okay, it didn't sound like that, but I mean. But cash is a temporary thing, guys. Multiple times, over and over and over and over again, there are stories of lotto winners who've become multi-millionaires who, not even, not even a few years, a few months down the line, all those millions are gone. Because cash is a temporary thing. If you... If you've, if you've got the cash, ne? so if you take, I was going to say 100 rand, if you take a 10 rand note, take a, a matchstick or a lighter or, or something flammable, something that can, that can cause an ignition and set it on fire, do you think your 10 rand is still going to be around? No. No. It gets incinerated immediately. It's temporary. But we chase after the things that are temporary at the expense of those things that are eternal. And that's where I take issue. Hallelujah, Jesus. Point number one. You cannot seek God or prioritize his kingdom and his will and not prosper both in the natural and eternally. Second Chronicles 31, verse 20 to verse 21. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah. And he did what was good, right, and true, Good, right, and true before the Lord his God. Every work which he began in the service of the house of God, in keeping with the law and the commandments, seeking and inquiring of his God and looking for him, he did with all his heart and he prospered. Pastor Paul often speaks about keys to prosperity. One of the ways that we can prosper is to do what other men of God in the Bible did that caused them to prosper. So here is what Hezekiah did in seeking God's kingdom. He did what was good. He did what was right and what was true before God. Everything that he did was in service of the house of God. He was obedient to what God commanded him. He knew how to seek after God and he did what he did with a pure heart and no ulterior motive. I say again, Seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness. Do what Hezekiah did and you too will prosper. Proverbs 3 verse 9 to verse 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. For our purposes with your income. Then your barns will be abundantly filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. God bless you. 
if you've given, if you've been giving, if you are giving into the new venue fund, God richly bless you. If you've been tithing in this local assembly, God abundantly and ridiculously pour out his love, his goodness, and his blessing without measure upon you for continuing to give your tithe and your offering and bringing your first fruits, not your second fruits, not your leftovers, but your first fruits into this local house. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's a blessing attached to you because what you're doing is you honor the Lord with your wealth. And what he does in return is your bonds will be abundantly filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. You cannot outgive God. Are you doing God a favor by bringing your tithe and your offering into the storehouse of the Lord? No. Rather, God is doing you a favor by teaching you two things. Number one, to prioritize kingdom over self. Because it would be easy for you to say, the money's in the account, the check is cleared, let's go get some kuduchi. Right? Very easy to do. Let's, come, let's, let's go to H&M, let's, let's shop up a storm. It's easy to do that. But he's teaching you to prioritize kingdom agenda over self. And the second thing he's teaching you is to show you that when you do that, when you take that leap of faith, and when you trust him and take him at his word, when you honor God and put his kingdom first, and when you're prepared to give of your first fruits, he then causes abundantly overflowing blessing to pursue you like a lioness on the hunt, relentless in her pursuit. I can see some of you don't believe me. It's fine. For those who are not yet convinced, for those of you that think that gospel has gotten too far, for those of you who are not yet convinced, turn with me to Deuteronomy 28 and verse 2 from the New King James Version, the NKJV. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. All these blessings shall come upon you like a lioness Capturing its prey. All of God's blessings will come over you. Not only will they come upon you and just be where you are, but they'll even go ahead of you. They'll overtake you. As you're running, as you're moving forward, they'll even overtake you. They'll be sitting at the finish line saying, come, we're waiting, we're waiting. Waiting to bless you some more. You think you've been blessed? Come. Wazala, waza, come. We're waiting to shower you. We're waiting, we're waiting to embarrass you with God's blessings. Hallelujah, Jesus. Don't wait to be embarrassed by sin because you took something as, that was temporary and prioritized it over something eternal. Rather choose that which is eternal and allow God to embarrass you with his riches, to bless you out of your cotton socks. Hallelujah, Jesus. The kingdom of God represents Christ's authority and his rule on the earth. As well as the blessings and advantages of all types, natural and spiritual, which flow from, from his rule. I don't know about you, but I like hearing about the benefits of being part of God's kingdom. Point number two, here are some benefits of seeking God's kingdom. Psalm 29 verse 11. The Lord will give you unyielding and impenetrable strength unyielding and impenetrable strength have you ever gone through something where you couldn't even explain it yourself and when you sat down at night with yourself you actually thought to yourself you know what it's not humanly possible for a human being to go through the things that i'm going through and still be okay yet somehow 
Here I am, feeling victorious, feeling undefeated, feeling empowered and strengthened from the inside. The Lord will give you unyielding and impenetrable strength. The Lord will bless his people with peace. You shouldn't be sleeping at night. You really shouldn't. You should be tossing and turning. But for some reason, and that reason is prioritizing God and his kingdom over those things which are temporary and not of a lasting nature. Because you've done that, because you've put him first, even when you shouldn't be sleeping peacefully, here you are, blessed with peace to sleep the night through. Psalm 34 verse 10, the young lions lack food and grow hungry, but they who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. These are some of the benefits of seeking God's kingdom. But wait, there's more. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 26. For to the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. Now if that was enough, I always say, Lord, why do you do this? Because yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm good right here. If verse 26 ends right here, I'm golden. I'm sorted. However, because he is who he is. He continues, but to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and collecting so that he may give to the one who pleases God. Just think about that. Just think about that. To the sinner, to the unbeliever, he gives them a job. And their job is, Mr. Sinner, Madam Sinner, Madam Unbeliever, your job is to now work, to now go back. You will now work and you will collect and you will give to Stuart who is pleasing me. Hey, hey. Hallelujah, Jesus. Do you know that you and I have got employees out there? Hey, do you know that you've got employees that are not registered with you or SARS or the UIF? There are sinners out there working by the sweat of their brow, gathering and collecting to give to you. To give to you. Unknown employees with no employee numbers. Ghost employees. And they're not on your payroll. They're paying you. Hi, you guys. It's nice to be a Christian. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's good to be a Christian. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's great to be part of his kingdom. Hallelujah, Jesus. Stuart, I hear what you're saying. But how can you be sure? That if we seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness, that God will provide everything else that we need. Excellent question. Here's the answer. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. He who did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with Jesus, graciously give us some things? Graciously give us? All things. How do I know that you're going to be sorted? Because God, who was, who was, who was willing and able to give, up, to give up his only son, who didn't spare the life of his only begotten son, that's the kind of love he had for you and I. That's the kind of love he has for you and I. Why do you think he won't take care of you in every other way and give to you all things? 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17. As for the rich in this present world, 
Instruct them not to be conceited and arrogant, nor to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches. There's my lottery example once again. The uncertainty of riches. Here today, gone tomorrow. But rather on God who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Second Peter 1 and verse 3. For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his excellence. Do you think there's any possibility that God will not give you absolutely everything that you need? It's not possible, guys. It's not possible that God will stand there and withhold something good from you. It's not in his nature. Hallelujah. Point number three. Seeking God is a command. It shouldn't be an optional extra. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Seeking God is a command. It should not be an optional extra. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him for salvation while he is near. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find Seek and keep on seeking. It's not a once-off, guys. Neither is it an optional extra. It's not something we do by the way, when we feel like it, when the mood strikes us, when we're in a good mood, when it's been a good day at work, when the kids haven't been working on our nerves. It's not an optional extra. Seek him and keep on seeking him. Point number four. Seeking God includes a number of things. So I'm going to go 4A, 4B, 4C, right? If you're numbering. So point number four, seeking God includes a number of things. Number one, it includes seeking his face in prayer. Psalm 27 and verse 8. When you said, seek my face in prayer, require my presence as your greatest need. My heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I will seek on the authority of your word. What I love about this passage of scripture is the connection between prayer and his word. Hallelujah, Jesus. Point number four, B. Seeking God includes seeking his face continually. Right? So we're not just praying. We're not just seeking his face. But we're seeking his face continually. Psalm 105 verse 4. Seek and deeply long for the Lord and his strength, his power, his might. Seek and deeply long for his face and his presence continually. In other words, without ceasing. Point number four, C. Seeking God includes seeking his commandments, his words, and his precepts. Remember, this is, remember what we said at the beginning. You can't say you want, you want some of the benefits, but you don't want this, and you don't like that, and yeah, this is okay. Okay, so I can, I can accept I can accept your command to pray and to seek your face, but I'm not really, I'm not really all about, you know, that Bible reading thing. You know, I'm not a Bible basher. You know, I don't want, you know, that, that's not for me, you know. That's not for me. We, it's, not, it's not that type of vibe. Hallelujah, Jesus. We seek him in his face. We seek him in his commandments, in his words, and in his precepts. First Chronicles 28 and verse 8. Now, therefore... In the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek after all the commandments of the Lord your God, so that you may possess the good land and leave it as an inheritance to your sons 
after you forever. There's also keys here. There's keys to unlocking things that are for you, but things that are also for your children and your children's children's children. And one of those things is to observe and seek after all the commandments of the Lord. Psalm 119, verse 45. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek and deeply long for your precepts. Psalm 119, verse 94. I am yours. Save me as your own, for I have diligently sought your precepts and require them as my greatest need. What do you require as your greatest need? Think back to that definition of seek. You have to require. You have to demand. What do you demand as your greatest need? Have you elevated God's word and required it to be your greatest need? When you seek honor and approval, please prioritize the honor and approval that comes from God over the honor and approval that comes from man. John 5 and verse 44. How can you believe in me when you seek and receive glory and approval from one another? And yet you do not seek the glory and approval which comes from the one and only God. We're going to do some seeking, hallelujah. But when we seek if you seek honor and approval, please don't let it be from me, from Pastor Trace, or from Uncle Loazi, or anybody else. When you seek honor and approval, please let it be from your Heavenly Father, the one and only God. Hallelujah, Jesus. When you seek, please seek the city that God has prepared for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's an eternal city. Do you know that? Do you know that there's going to be a point in time when Centurion doesn't exist? And I know it feels like that time is coming quite soon because, I mean, we don't just have potholes here. Yeah, we go bigger, we go home. Yeah, we've got sinkholes. Everywhere else they've got potholes, but yeah, yeah, we operate in sinkholes, right? You close one, we open another one, right? So it seems like Centurion's disappearing quick and fast. Hallelujah, Jesus, right? But do you know, do you know, guys, that there's a time coming when Indianapolis won't exist anymore? When Chicago won't exist anymore? When Detroit will not exist anymore? When Soweto will not exist anymore? The street where Mandela grew up will not exist anymore. Guys, please don't seek to build up treasures here on earth. This place is a temporary place. We're just passing through. Hebrews 13 verse 14. For here we have no lasting city. We don't have a lasting city here, guys. But we are seeking the city which is still to come. We don't have a lasting city here on earth. We're waiting for that day when he calls us home. Hallelujah. Amen. When you seek, seek him through prayer. Daniel 9 and verse 3. So I directed my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. When you seek God, please seek him with diligence. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and to please him. For whoever comes near to him, whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. 
You see, if, if you're seeking him with an ulterior motive, sure. I mean, there's no one else on the planet. You may think your wife knows you better than anybody else. You may think your mom knows you better than anyone else. You may feel like your father can see right through you. I'm talking about your earthly dad now. But I promise you, there's no one else who can literally see right through you and search your heart and know your motive. There's no one else who can do that besides God. So when you seek him, seek him earnestly and diligently without any ulterior motive. Hallelujah, Jesus. Seek God with all of your heart, Deuteronomy 4 and verse 29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If you search for him with all your heart and with all your soul. So when you search for him, search for him with all of your heart. Seek for him with all of your soul. First Chronicles 22 and verse 19. Now set your heart and your soul to seek, to inquire of, to require as your vital necessity the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you may bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy articles and utensils of God into the house built for the name, the presence of the Lord. When you seek God, seek him with all your heart. When you are in trouble, and by the way, in this life we will have trouble. Trouble comes. It comes comes regularly but when you are in trouble when you find yourself in trouble who do you seek in other words who do you call when there's a problem who do you call when things are going wrong who do you call when you're now in a problem you're now in a sticky situation for some of you for some of us the answer is you call your eldest brother because Growing up, you, you've always known that if there's a problem, we look to the eldest brother to sort things out. For some of you, the answer is you call your lawyer, right? Because you know that if you're in trouble, you're going to need a lawyer. A lawyer, right? The way Medea says, you're going to need a lawyer. Not a liar, a lawyer, right? So you'll seek your lawyer when you're in trouble. Psalm 77 verse 2. In the day of my trouble, I desperately sought the Lord. In the day of my trouble, I desperately sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out in prayer. Without weariness, my soul refused to be comforted. I refused to go to sleep. I refused to to rest, I sought the Lord in my day of trouble, relentlessly, with the bulldog mentality. I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you, you, you give me an answer to my dilemma. It's, I'm sitting, I'm standing in my midnight hour. It's quarter to midnight. The, the night has never been as dark as it is right now. Things are bad. I desperately seek you in my day of trouble. Point number five. Why seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness? 
That's the question. The answer is seeking him ensures that we will find him. I know it sounds like an obvious one. But the reason you need to seek God is because seeking him ensures that you find him. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. You will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. There's a lot of people in your life and in my life who when you seek them, when you need them, when you're trying to get a hold of them, when you're trying to get in contact with them, they're nowhere to be found. There's a lot of people who fall into that category. When you really, really, really needed them to come through, they're nowhere to be found. They literally, it's, it's, as if they, it's as if they've been raptured. Even like Jesus was, I left behind. Because this person is nowhere to be found in my hour of need. Here's my advice to you. When it's that hour of need and it's that hour of trouble, don't seek me. Don't seek your neighbor. Don't seek your big brother. Seek the one who will always be found when you seek him. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. Proverbs 8 and verse 17. I love those who love me and those who seek me early and diligently will find me. He's Mr. Reliable. He's always there to be found. All you need to do is seek him. Seeking God is one of the things that ensures his favor in your life. Lamentations 3 and verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait confidently for him. To those who seek him on the authority of God's word. He's good to those. If you put yourself in this category, he'll be good to you. If you put yourself in the category of those who wait confidently for him, of those who seek him on the authority of his word, guess what? You'll experience favor in your life. He'll be good to you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Seeking God is one of the things that ensures that we'll not be forsaken. Psalm 9 and verse 10. And those who know your name, who have experienced your precious mercy, will put their confident trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not abandoned those who seek you. He won't leave you. He won't abandon you. He won't forsake you. Just seek him this morning. Seeking God is one of the things that ensures that we have an understanding of all things. Proverbs 28 and verse 5. Evil men do not understand justice, but they who long for and seek the Lord understand it fully. Oh, that we would be characterized as being those who seek God. I'm going to actually stop there. There's a lot more for you. There's a lot more for you in the notes. But I think this is a, an apt moment just to stop and pause and think and meditate on that last, that last line. Oh, that we would be those who would be characterized as being those who seek God. You can be characterized by many things. You can be characterized as the joker. You can be characterized as the guy who's always dressed to the nines. You can be characterized as, the, as that girl who's always got it together. She's always just, she always just looks so prim and so proper. That can be the thing that characterizes you. You can be characterized as the one who's always in church. Right? 
And maybe you even make it your mission to make sure. Ever since a small, ever since you were a little one, you made sure you always got the, the class attendance award. And now you've become born again and now you, it's, it's really still exactly the same. You want to be characterized as the one who's always in church. You're always there. You're always occupying the pew. But guess what? God's not just interested in you occupying the pew. He's not just interested in your attendance. It's no use if your physical body is here, but your mind is somewhere else. It's no use if you're here, but you're just here to make up the numbers. Seeking after God is a verb. It's a doing word. There's stuff to be done. There's digging into his word. There's going on your knees in prayer. There's making sure that you put yourself, you block, your, you block the world out. You go into your closet, your quiet time, your war room time. There's searching of his scriptures. There's seeking him while he's there to be found. There's putting your confidence in him. There's prioritizing him over everything and everyone else. There's blocking out the noise and the chaos of life. And focusing your attention on him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things that we stress about and that we worry about that God knows we need anyway. He knows what you need. He's going to provide them anyway. Oh, that we would be those. Oh, that we would be characterized as being those who seek God this morning. I'm going to ask us to all stand this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's really a lot more for you to, to dig into. Hallelujah, Jesus. Make sure that you get a hold of, of the notes um, during the course of the week. Hallelujah, Jesus. I haven't finished off. Um, I haven't even come close to finishing. Hallelujah, Jesus. But this morning we were singing some powerful songs. Some powerful songs of, of praise and of worship to a king. To a king this morning. To a king this morning. And if he is not just a king, but if he's your king, then it means that he's enthroned upon the throne room of your heart this morning. He's established in your life. He's established in your home. He's even established in your work life and in your study life. You don't leave him behind. You take him with, him, with you wherever you go. If it's varsity, you take him with you to varsity. Just think about that. He doesn't occupy the four walls that you see around you this morning. This is not the space that he occupies. In other words, we don't walk through the door to meet God here. I bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me blesses his holy name. But I'm blessing the God who lives on the inside of me. He lives inside of me. He's enthroned upon the throne of my heart. I take him with me every single place that I go, in every situation, in every circumstance. And in every situation, in every circumstance, in every setting, in every type of environment, I give him preeminence. I give him priority. I allow him to take precedence over every other situation. 
And if anything is not aligning itself with him, with his kingdom, and with his word, I disconnect myself from that thing. I disassociate myself from that thing because I know that that thing will distract me from my active pursuit of God, my king, and his kingdom. And so I'm just going to pray for all of us first this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, even as we go about our, our daily chores and our daily life throughout the course of this week, and we do the, the mundane things of life, help us, Father God, to remember, to remember, to prioritize you and the pursuit of your kingdom, the pursuit of your goodness, the pursuit of your love, the manifestation of your kingdom here on earth in our lives and in our hearts. Throughout the course of this week, Father, I pray your blessing over each and every one of us this morning, Lord. We want to give you your rightful place this morning. We want to give you your rightful place every single day of the week, every single moment. For you are king. And your kingdom, of your kingdom, there is no end. <laughs>